Well, good morning, Westbridge. So glad to be here again. I'm Ryan, and I'm the pastor of Riverway Church. And uh, Jeremiah and I have been buddies since college, which means I got a lot of dirt on him. And uh, it also means that I get invited to speak once in a while. And I kind of like to kind of jab him a little bit when I first start speaking. But he's here today, so it's kind of harder to do that when he's here. Uh, but we'll just kind of get to it. I want to welcome all of you watching online. Thanks for joining us, Westbridge Online. And today is going, to, I wanted to kick off today by doing uh, something that is going to require 100% participation and 100% honesty, if you would, okay? How many of you, by a show of hands, have ever done something dumb? Let me see your hands. You've ever done, and keep your hands up, uh, okay? There are some people that are liars in the room, okay? That's, that's fine. You're in church, you're in the right spot. That's good. Keep your hands up. Now with your other hand, how many of you would say that you would think uh, that you are a relatively smart person? Let me see your other hand, okay? <laughs> so, some of you didn't raise the other hand and you said, nope, I'm going with dumb. That's just what I'm going with, right? Uh, so keep those hands up, right? What this tells us is that sometimes we can do things that are dumb even though we know better, right? I was 10 years old and I got invited to my friend's house he lived in northeast Minneapolis, right by 35W. And we rode our bikes two blocks to the train tracks that went across the freeway. And on those train tracks were little rocks. And the thought came to our mind, wouldn't it be a cool idea if we threw a rock over the bridge onto the freeway? So we threw a rock and we were like, oh, that was so cool. Let's throw another rock. And we threw another rock. And we threw another rock, and we threw another rock, and we threw another rock, and we threw another rock. And this went on for a while until, as fate would have it, a rock hit a car. I know. And I feel judgment already from some of you, all right? I was 10, okay? And so we were like, oh, my goodness, the car screeched off to the side of the road. And we're like, we got to get out of here. And so we start running. Our bikes are in the alleys. We decide to leave them, and we run all the way back to his house. We could hear the guy yelling, and he's calling 911. And we're like, get to the house, get to the house. We got to hide. And so we went into his basement, and we head out thinking, oh, my goodness, thank God. We have avoided any kind of trouble. And then the doorbell rang. And we could hear voices, and all we could pick up out of the voices were, it was officer so-and-so, and do you have two boys here? And I, I still to this day will remember his dad's baritone voice as he called both of us up there. It was so stern, and so we walk up the stairs, and there's a police officer standing there. And she says, were you two boys throwing rocks onto the freeway? And we said, yes. And I said, how did you find out it was us? And she said, well, you left your bikes in the alley and we put the bikes in our trunk and we couldn't close the trunk. And as we were driving by your house, the little boy across the street yelled, hey, that's Aaron's bike. <laughs> Goes the police car. Oh, where does Aaron live? Right there. <laughs> And I remember the officer saying to us, do you realize how dumb this was? And I said, of course not, because the frontal lobe of my brain isn't done developing yet. I didn't really say that. I was 10. I said, yes, I understand how dumb this was. She goes, you could have really hurt someone. You could have killed someone. It could have been so bad. And I remember we got in so much trouble from our parents. We got in so much trouble. And we had to pay the insurance claim on the windshield and all those different things. I mean, it was such a dumb idea. And yet here's what we know. We know that even smart people 
can do some pretty dumb things, even by the show of hands in this room. But what we often forget is that smart, well-meaning, good, highly moral, even deeply sincere people can believe some really dumb things. Even followers of Jesus can end up believing the wrong kinds of things. And most of the time, though, it's always traced back to some sort of spiritual urban myth or something that we thought the Bible said or we thought was, that was about Christianity or a part of Christianity. But after careful study, we realize it couldn't actually be further from the truth. And I want to talk about one of these dumb ideas today because I think it's important to every one of our faith's journey. And it's this, it's this dumb idea, it's this dumb spiritual idea that some well-intended Christians believe. And it's this, that faith can fix anything. That faith can fix anything. Have you ever heard that phrase or ever been led to believe that phrase? That maybe you just needed a little bit more faith and your situation would turn around. Maybe you just need a little bit more faith and God would do what you what you wanted him to do. About 20 years ago, when I was in college, I had a good friend of mine who was married and had a baby, and that baby turned one years old and suddenly had uh, really, in a matter of a couple days, had a lot of medical complications. And they brought the baby to the children's hospital. And the doctors ran all kinds of tests, and they discovered a brain defect that was terminal. And I remember driving down to Children's Hospital, be with my friends and talking with them, and I heard them say things like, we know our baby's going to be okay. We have enough faith. We have enough faith. We know that God's going to heal our baby. We know that our baby's going to live. And I heard this coming from them while also hearing the doctors say that this is most likely terminal, that there's nothing they can do for their baby. And so on one hand, here is this couple who is expressing this deep faith. And while I believe that God can do miracles, I knew apart from a miracle, this baby wasn't going to live. And I was trying to reconcile those two things as I just encouraged them and prayed with them. And it wasn't but three days later that their baby passed away. And my friend was so disillusioned with the whole situation He was so confused because he had this great faith that their baby was going to be healed. Yet truth be told, God didn't let them down. God didn't break his promises. It was rather the result of having placed his trust in this spiritual urban legend that faith can fix anything. And here it is, the first filling in your notes. It's this myth that if we have enough faith, we can fix or do anything. We can fix or do anything if we have enough faith. And I'll tell you this, my friend didn't get that from the Bible. He had simply heard it from well-intentioned people and believed it as fact. We're often told that if we just believe enough or have enough positive thinking that anything can happen, And it's why when the twins are down for the umpteenth time this season, in the bottom of the night, it's why we turn our hats inside out and we're like, come on, we have faith that the twins are going to win. And then they usually don't. Do you remember the Minneapolis miracle? Do you remember where you were? Of course you do. Because it was impactful, wasn't it? 
I remember I was standing in my living room watching TV because I was too stressed to sit, and there was 10 seconds left on the clock, and this is before the play when Case hikes the ball. My 13-year-old son is crying in the recliner chair, and I turned to him and I said, dude, just get used to this. This is the way of life. <laughs> this, is, this is good for you to learn this, right? I mean, he's crying his eyes out, and Case, you know, throws the ball, he catches it, and, you know, we win that game. And I remember screaming and yelling, me and my son jumping up and down. My neighbor came running in the house, and him and I bear hugged, and we're jumping up and down together. I mean, it got awkward, I'll tell you what. But in the moment, it was so awesome, right? That's why even now when the Vikings are down, I'm like, anything can happen, just believe. And it's why my, my son, I mean, he's 100 pounds soaking wet, but he's like, I'm gonna play in the NFL. And I'm like, absolutely you are, yes? I mean, you can do it, just have enough faith. Just believe in yourself, you can make the NFL. Don't squash his dreams. Well, these kind of ideas are more like faith in faith than faith in God. And there's actually a big difference between these two things. Faith in faith and faith in God. And yet in many cases, we've been told that that's what God wants from us. When we're confronted with impossible situations, that if we could just muster up enough faith and remove as much doubt as possible that it will be powerful enough to overcome a situation that you're facing. Almost like God's little magic potion, that if we can figure out his magic potion, enough faith, remove the doubt, that somehow miracles can happen and whatever we want to happen in this life, it can be. And the truth is, is that if you believe that, you'd be dead wrong. So where does that idea come from? Where does this belief that if we muster up enough faith that God will do our bidding come from? Well, part of the problem is the way the original manuscripts of the written documents of Scripture that we have from the New Testament were translated into English. Uh, back in 2013, I got to go to China and I was at the Great Wall, and I was kind of humored throughout my whole trip that anytime I would see some signs and they would try to translate their phrase into an English word, it really didn't always work out the best. And so here's a picture of, of something that I saw in China. Um, and <laughs> this, was, this plaque is on the Great Wall of China. It says, no, no naked flames. No naked flames. And what I, what I, after thinking about it, what I understood what they meant was no open flames. They didn't want any open flames near the wall. They didn't want anything burning. But their translation of it was no naked flames. How's that for a translation? And so if you leave today and someone asks what you learn at church, just say no naked flames. That's what I learned. No naked flames. It's difficult to translate anything from one language to another. And so when we think about these three words, faith, which we're talking about this morning, belief, and trust, in the English language, we have a different definition for each of those things, don't we? Faith, belief, trust. Faith, belief, trust. What is faith? How would, how would you define faith? Faith is we think of confidence, don't we? We think of the opposite of fear and doubt, that it's really all about our feelings. That's kind of how we would define faith. And then there's belief. How would we define belief? Well, Belief is kind of our mental agreement with something. Whether it's UFOs or Bigfoot, evolution or Jesus, we kind of have to get there mentally. And acting upon them is optional, 
but our beliefs are intellectual. And just because you believe in Jesus doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, Scripture tells us that even the demons believe in Jesus, right? But in our language, we think of this term belief as this intellectual agreement. So you have faith with just kind of our feelings and emotion, and then there's this word belief that we engage with intellectually, and then there's trust. In contrast to the other two, this one assumes, trust assumes that some sort of action will take place, right? If I tell you that I trust you to drive my car, and you ask if you can borrow my keys, and I say no, does it really mean that I trust you, right? There's action behind it. And so we have three distinct meanings between faith, belief, and trust. But here's what's so interesting. When the Bible mentions these words, it's the same Greek word for all three. That implies, your next fill-in, faith, belief, and trust are all one in the same Greek language with a bias towards action. That faith, belief, and trust all actually go together. Those aren't separated terms like we would think in our language, in our terms. No, no, no. The authors of Scripture wrote this to all mean the same thing, that when you have faith, you have a belief and you have a trust in it with a bias towards action. It's why James 2.20 says this, that faith without works is dead. This bias towards action, faith without works is useless. Another version reads, which means this, that God isn't impressed with the art of positive thinking or visualizing the outcome that you want. No, no, no. He is looking for simple trust regardless of the outcome. Simple trust regardless of the outcome. It's praying the prayer when you're not sure if the prayer will help. It's following God's standard when you feel like giving up. It's following God's standard when your friends are going another direction and you decide to stay true to what God would want you to do. It's taking his path even when you would like to go a different direction and maybe even think, maybe God's got this wrong. Maybe I can figure this out on my own. But that's faith with a bias towards action, trusting God regardless of the outcome. And in Hebrews chapter 11, I don't know if you knew this, but God actually has a hall of fame when it comes to faith. Um, how many of you ever been to the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio? Anybody ever been there? Anybody? Wow. Not, no one? No one? No one? One! Yes! I've never been. I've always wanted to take my kids. Because I want to take them through, right? I want to show them all the busts. I want to, I want to show them the, the players that I mean, made such a difference over the years in the games. I mean, it is a massive honor to be included into the Football Hall of Fame. Could you imagine how cool it would be to be in God's Hall of Fame when it came to faith? I want you to listen to this list of people who were in that Hall of Fame. Abel. Do you remember Cain and Abel? Abel, who made the better sacrifice. Enoch, who was taken up into the heavens. Noah, who built the ark. 
Abraham, who offered Isaac as the sacrifice. Isaac, who blessed Jacob and Esau. Jacob, who blessed Joseph. Joseph, who never wavered in prison, even though he was falsely accused of rape. Moses, who delivered the Israelites out of slavery and bondage. And it goes on to list others. Joshua, Rahab, Samson, Gideon, David, Samuel. And this is how the writer of Hebrews describes all of these amazing men and women in Hebrews eleven thirty three, 33. It says this, all of these people who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. I mean, when you read that list, don't you think like Rocky music should be playing underneath that? And when I hear that list, I go, yes, that is the faith team I want to be on. Yes, they're the winners. I mean, look at all this amazing stuff that they got to accomplish because they had faith in God. That's the kind of faith that I want to have. Yes, put me on their squad. But the writer of Hebrews doesn't finish there. He goes on to say there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword they went about in sheepskins and goatskins because it's all they could afford. They were destitute and persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And when I hear about this group, I go, this is not the team that I want to be on. This is not the group of people with big faith that I want to be associated with. And yet in verse 39, this is mind-blowing. In verse 39, with these two groups compared to one another, it says these were all commended for their... What's that word? What's that word? They were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them in that last group, received what had been promised. Isn't that interesting? That on one side, you've got the whole victory, rah, 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 we're conquering, we're defeating, we're doing all the glamorous spotlight Facebook moments. I mean, this is the big old thing. And on the other side, it's suffering and death and disappointment, yet all were commended for their faith. See, it would be easy for us to think that these people over here, they were the faith rejects. They were the losers when it came to faith. They just couldn't muster up enough faith for God to do their bidding. No, 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 no. These were the men and women that God applauded 
yet their faith didn't fix anything. Their faith didn't fix anything. Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I didn't learn this in Sunday school. My Sunday school teacher not, never once said, okay, kids, come here, come here. We're going to talk about putting our faith and trust in God and how this might get you sawed in two and uh, how this might get you put in prison and how your family and friends might hate you. I mean, who would have stayed? Nobody would have. But it's what the Bible says faith might do. It might lead us to victory. And it might lead us to death. Either way, it's his call, not ours. Because our lives belong to him. It's all about him. And our faith in God might lead us to a full life filled with good things. And our faith in God may lead us to a life full of disappointment and suffering and questions unanswered. And yet, God applauds our faith, regardless of the outcome. And it's why Job, after all of his suffering, say, even though they slay me and take my life, still will I praise him. Well, Ryan, that's not very encouraging, so why bother? I mean, if we can't mark out all the victory path and if we can't just guarantee that everything's hoorah-rah and God's blessing and everything's good and flowers and wonderful, why bother? Good question. Because Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now remember, when he says faith, he actually means faith, belief, and trust. Without faith, belief, and trust, it's impossible to please God. God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is how God set it up. Your next fill in. God wants us to walk with him and trust him for the outcome. God wants us to walk with him and trust him for the outcome. Uh, this morning on the way here I had to stop somewhere first and do a few things and then I was out here and then I so I put in the, the you know the address in the Google Maps to get out of here how many of you are so grateful for Google Maps isn't that just the greatest invention on planet earth because the truth is is that us guys we pretend we're better at directions than we really are I'll just speak for all the men in the room you can send email you know if you're angry just send it to me it's just jeremiah at westbridge.com and that's fine but I, I love Google Maps but there are times there have been many times where I have pulled up directions on my phone and I'm convinced that it's going to bring me to the wrong destination. I think, no, 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 no. My sense of direction is better than the Googs, okay? I am trusting my own internal, but I, fine, I'll go against my better judgment, and I will follow the Googs to where I'm going. And I'll tell you what, 10 times out of 10, somehow the Googs gets me to the right destination. Isn't that amazing? When I could have swore that we were off course, that we were going to end up in the wrong spot at the wrong time. And much like our lives, when God is pointing us in one direction and we think we should go another, we have a choice to make. 
That when faith in God is going and the struggle arrives, when the suffering arrives, when the things we don't understand arrives, we have a choice to make. Will we go our own path? Or will we trust the direction giver? Will we trust? Will I put my faith, belief, and trust in him? See, it doesn't matter how many doubts you have along the way. All that matters is whether or not we have enough faith to follow God's instructions. You see, your next fill-in, those who put their trust in God always end up at the right destination. Those who put their faith in God, those who put their belief, their trust in him, always end up at the right destination. Even when the road seems bumpy, even when we feel stuck, even when the car breaks down, even when the kids go wayward, even when we don't get the promotion, even when we are tired or confused, even when we lose a loved one, we can choose to put our faith in God. See, faith doesn't promise to fix every situation in our life. But it will take us where we need to go every single time. And it's why he's the leader and I'm the follower. It's why he's the leader and you're the follower. Every day we get this choice. And it's why we need to stay close to our spiritual GPS. Your last fill-in, we need to stay connected to God, asking him to lead us and speak to us. We need to stay close to him. Say, Ryan, how do we do that? We do that through prayer, through talking with him and listening. And you can do that every day, wherever you're at. We stay connected by reading the Bible, opening the Bible app and reading the devotional and let God drop something into your heart that you have to think about today as you're following. We stay connected when we go to church. I can't tell you how cool it is that this morning you woke up and made the decision to get to church. Today today I'm gonna learn. Today I'm gonna put myself in an environment that's gonna make me go closer to God, that's gonna cause me to take steps in my faith. We invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us and lead us. These are all different ways that we stay connected to him. And this is why it's so important. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, we need leading and guiding because we just don't know it all. We don't know the plan. We don't know the future. God does. And so we trust. We put our faith, our belief, our trust in him, and we follow. Because the truth is, there are some things in this life that we'll never understand until we get to heaven. Just this last week, we conducted a funeral for a 52-year-old man who's been a part of our church for the last seven years who died of a brain aneurysm. Like that? Two kids in college. His best years, as we would think, in front of him. 
the golden years, the grandfathering years, the retirement years. And I got the call that he was in the hospital fighting for his life, and three days later, he was dead. Things that we won't understand. It doesn't cause me to run and hide. It causes me to go, God, so much that I don't understand. But I'm choosing to keep following, to put my faith in you. Not in my circumstances, not in my finances, not in people around me. God, I'm putting my faith in you. So let me ask you as we get ready to close. Where's your faith at today? Maybe you've had more faith in faith than faith in God. The truth is faith will leave you disillusioned and tired because you feel like it's up to you to muster up more of it, to move God to do what you want him to do. That is tiring. Faith in God, on the other hand, is about exhaling and trusting in his promises trusting in his faithfulness, trusting in his leading, and the relationship you have with him. And maybe for a while, you've been coming to Westbridge, you've been watching online, you've been exploring faith, and you, you haven't crossed that line of faith, you haven't trusted Jesus yet, because you didn't know because of the circumstances of life whether or not God is trustworthy. If that's you, that's real. But God's bigger than that. Maybe you're here and you feel like you've had as much doubt than faith and you're ashamed to admit it. If so, you're in good company. Maybe you felt that because you didn't have enough faith that God wouldn't receive you or accept you. And yet Jesus tells us that the faith the size of a mustard seed has the power to move a mountain. God would receive you if that's you. So I'm here to tell you that if you find yourself in any of those spots that you need a new version of faith. A version of faith that is less about you and more about him. And if you're seeking this, then you're going to be on the right path. Stay on it. You can never lose when you're pursuing God as he is leading the way. You see, faith won't fix everything. But your faith, which is belief and trust as well, will always lead you to the right destination. It will always lead you to the place you needed to be. So refuse to go down any other path. Trust a God that is capable and in control. And your actions of prayer and church attendance and Bible reading and small groups taking steps of obedience, this is the kind of faith that God applauds. Not whether or not your faith is big enough 
to fix a situation. No, 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 no. When you just choose to trust in him for the outcome and take those steps of following every single day, your name might be etched in his hall of fame. No matter where it leads us, to victory or death, God, we put our faith, our belief, our trust in you. So would you do me a favor? Would you mind closing your eyes all over this room? And I just want us to take a moment together. Maybe you're here. And maybe there's a version of faith that you need to surrender. I want us just to take a moment for you to talk to God silently, right in your seat, and to let God talk to you. If you're watching at home, for you to take a moment right now to silent your heart and mind. And maybe there's a version of this faith that today you need to give up. And say, God, I've been putting my faith in the wrong stuff. I've been too, putting too much pressure on myself. But God, today I'm choosing to put all of my faith, my belief, my trust in you. And keep trusting you for the outcome. Come on, just tell them that right now. I'm putting all of my faith, my belief, my trust in you. So Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you, from the very beginning, have always wanted relationship with us. You haven't asked us to jump through any hoops or measure up or muster up more faith to somehow get your attention. I thank you that we've never lived a day that you weren't with us and saw everything going on in our life. And so today, we're going to surrender a version of faith that we don't find in Scripture. A version of faith that relies on us or a version of faith that always leads us to the mountaintops. But God, we want the kind of version of faith that chooses to trust you no matter the outcome. So tomorrow morning as we get up, and we face the day and we face the things at work or at school or activities. I pray that you'd give us the courage to put our faith in you. Because you are the author and the finisher of that faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.